This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, this is Nima Persoff. You're listening to TV Confidential. Now, all those voting guilty, please raise your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, that's eleven guilty. All those voting not guilty. One. Right. Eleven guilty, one not guilty. Well, now we know where we are. Boy, oh boy, there's always one. <laughs> oh, what do we do now? Yes, we talk. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Calendar year 2021, or more to the point, the 2021-2022 television season marks the 60th anniversary of the premiere of The Defenders. The Defenders, the Emmy Award-winning, highly influential, and sometimes controversial legal drama starring E.G. Marshall and Robert Reed that proved, among other things, that commercial network television and absorbing drama with something to say were not mutually exclusive. The Defenders was the brainchild of Reginald Rose. Reginald Rose, one of the first great voices of the Golden Age television, along with Rod Serling and Patty Chayesky, and a man who knew how to present topical issues and make them accessible to a wide audience. Reginald Rose is also the screenwriter and producer of 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men, the 1957 film classic starring Henry Fonda that has continued to touch audiences all over the world for its depiction of group dynamics and human relations, while legal scholars all over the world have hailed 12 Angry Men for its portrayal of ordinary citizens reaching a just verdict. Joining us now via Zoom is Phil Rosenzweig, Phil is the author of an excellent book that not only provides the backstory of 12 Angry Men, but is the first biography of Reginald Rose himself. We'll tell you more about the book in just a second. Phil Rosenzweig, welcome to TV Confidential. Thank you very much, Ed. Glad to be here. I think the first time I saw 12 Angry Men was in high school. It was not for a civics class, which I understand is how it's often taught. It was for a class on morality. And juror number eight, Henry Fonda's character, was used as the focal point to teach the importance of our duty to make responsible choices and the impact our choices have on other people. In many respects, that's the heart of the film, and that's the heart of Reginald Rose. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair summary. Um, the movie has actually been shown not only for, for ethics, for, for civics, but also for rhetoric. Uh, it's just a brilliantly written play, and it's had a life on stage as well as, as you said, uh, it's, it's embraced by the fields of law and management and so forth. So it's, it's, it's extraordinary how a simple drama, and it is simple in many ways, has touched so many different audiences and has persisted in its reputation over these years. It really is a simple drama, and you talk about this a little bit in the book. It, it had meant that the movie... Once the movie was made and released, the movie had many strikes against it because it was basically a one-set play shot for the big screen. 
And so you don't have a lot of visuals, you don't have a lot of dynamic stuff. And so it was very hard to market and yet it found its audience. That's right. Uh, of course, when the movie came out, uh, Hollywood was responding to the rise of television by playing to its strengths. And movie's strengths was widescreen, color, a lot of, you know, cast of thousands, all these sorts of things. And 12 Angry Men was the exact opposite of that. It was one small cast in one set. The, the action never went anywhere. So it was a bit of a downer. And it was released in April of 1957. And within three weeks, it was pretty much gone from all the cinemas. Uh, it was more popular in Europe. And then the critics liked it, but it really didn't do well as a movie on its first release. It took a number of years for it to gain traction. And as we mentioned a moment ago, it found a lot of different audiences. And the reputation has grown enormously over the years because it's a, a wonderfully made movie, acted, shot, directed. Among other things, it is the movie that put Sidney Lumet on the map as a film director, although as Phil points out in his book, the name of which is Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men, uh, Lumet was a major player in the first decade of television, particularly live television, and the relationship between Lumet, live television, Reginald Rose, and how all that relates to the production of Twelve Angry Men, that's a conversation in and of itself. You can learn that and more in Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men, available now wherever books are sold through Fordham University Press as well as Amazon.com. I understand, Phil, I understand this book originally began as an academic paper where you're going to dissect, <laughs> dissect the, I, I love learning about this stuff, author to author, I love learning about this stuff because when, yeah. and I can speak to this, and this is not your first rodeo, you've written books before, writing a book, writing writing anything, so it's, it's not unlike taking a road trip. You, you may have a map early on of where you want to go, but sometimes, you know, out of necessity, you take a detour, and that detour ends up being the best thing you've ever, you ever made. In a lot of respects, that's what happened here. I understand this book, Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men, began as an academic paper where you were going to explore the legal issues of Twelve Angry Men. When did you realize you had a much richer story? Well, I began really intrigued by how people in the field of law think, well, this is a legal movie, and they, they adore it. Judges, people have gone into legal profession inspired by this movie. I'm in a different field. I'm a professor of uh, organizational behavior at a business school, and we think this is our movie because we teach it for its insights into group dynamics, interpersonal relations. So you have these two totally different fields. And then there's a third way to look at this, which I call the uh, decision science field, where if you look closely at the evidence, actually, if you look at probabilities, and you apply a little bit of critical thinking of probabilities, you know what, the boy was probably really guilty. So I was just fascinated by how this simple drama, simple in some ways, is actually extremely complex. So I began thinking that I would just do a little, a short article about these three different perspectives. And there might be a little bit at the end about the making of the movie. But then I began to read about the making of the movie. Well, you know, look, I, I'm not a movie guy or a television guy, but I love the movies and I love television. And I began learning about these things. And you learn about the blacklist and you learn about live television in the 50s. 
and New York City and everything that was going on. So over time, it became, it kind of morphed into a project about the making of 12 Angry Men. And then, well, there'd be a little bit about the author because, yeah, he's interesting too. And then I began reading more about the author. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of movies, there's a lot of books about the making of this or the making of that. But Reginald Rose, as a character, as a writer, as a writer of importance, has really never been talked about. So the, the title of the book is intentional. It's Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men. It's part biography, but it's part the story of this drama. And the key word there really is journey, because I trace it from the original inspiration to the outline to putting it on television to then the deal to make the movie the making of the movie and then how it it's taken on a life of its own so as the book ends long after all the principals and participants are, are are dead and gone the movie lives on and it's been recently remade in russia in china in lebanon i saw it on stage in paris it's had this incredible journey, but um, you're right. It began with a much more bounded <laughs> vision, but over time it kind of grew, and then I, I let it take me. Uh, it's been a multi-year project, but I let it take me where it where it would. Phil Rosenzweig is with us via Zoom. Phil is the author of Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men, the first biography of one of the greatest writers in the history of television and the backstory of his magnum opus. Phil's book, as he just said, not only walks you through the origins of 12 Angry Men as a one-hour play for CBS Westinghouse Studio One, a story that, as you can imagine, has its roots in Reginald Rose's one day of jury duty service in 1954, but also, also walks you through the development of the 1957 movie, starring Henry Fonda, including the contributions of director Sidney Lumet and cinematographer Boris Kaufman, the various drafts of the screenplay, and how 12 Angry Men overcame an underwhelming initial box office release in the U.S. to become an international classic. Reginald Rose and the Journey of 12 Angry Men, available wherever books are sold through Fordham University Press as well as Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One of the fun things I like about your book is you debunk many myths about how the movie came to be and being a good biographer, being a good researcher, you kind of piece together the various versions of how a story is told to try to come, to try to bring us the readers the, the closest account to what actually happened as possible. One one example is Reginald Rose being a great storyteller. And, and also being a man who was versed in marketing and advertising. So mean, the point there is you never let the truth get in the way of a good story, you know. And, <laughs> and sometimes for effect, Rose would alter the accounts of what happened because if you're in a cocktail party situation or a quick interview, you try to get to the point as quickly as you can. So he has told various versions of how the origins of the play came to be. But what it comes down to, essentially, is we know he, like a lot of us, has spent a long 12-hour day waiting to maybe be called for jury duty service, and that's, what came, that's, that's where the inspiration came. Right. He was called for jury duty in uh, early 1954. He said that he served on the jury of a manslaughter case, although he always said, the case that, that for which he sat on the jury had nothing to do with what he wrote in uh, 12 Angry Men, but he was inspired by his time in court. He had never been in a courtroom before. 
and he said, when you show up in a courtroom and, and you're impressed by the wood paneling and, and the seriousness of it and the judge in, in robes and you see the defendant and my gosh, you're going you're gonna to pass judgment on a fellow human being. Suddenly he just sat up and thought, what, a, what a, an amazing idea for a drama. He says that he served on the jury. I wanted to find the case. And as I looked into case records in New York, and there's a whole long story there, I think I have identified the case. And it turns out he was actually not on the jury. The best I can determine is that he was in court to hear it described, but probably was just not one of the juries that was impaneled. But I think the point you made, Ed, is correct. Um, sometimes good storytellers invent things. Sometimes they streamline things. Yeah. And where I found a few places where the record I discovered was a bit different from what he told, he almost always streamlined and compressed. He yeah. was not somebody who made wild stories about his great accomplishments that he never did. Quite the contrary, he would sometimes uh, be a little more efficient in telling a story. Characters that were not that important, he'd drop out of the picture. But so I, I found it intriguing to spend some time in the New York uh, uh, courts and look through the homicide dockets and try to identify the case. And I think he did not serve on the jury. But really, the important thing is he was not only inspired to write about a trial, he did something that nobody had done up until then, because, of course, there's been countless courtroom dramas. You know, the prosecutor, the defense attorney, the judge, the witnesses, the ebb and flow. You've seen this a zillion times. He did something nobody had done before. He said, I'm going to begin my drama when that ends, because nobody knows what the jurors go off and do. So you do see the judge. He's kind of bored and tired. You never see an attorney and you follow the jurors. And that was something that had not been done before. Uh, did he serve on the jury of a different case? I don't know. But he certainly, as a good dramatist, imagined a very compelling source of conflict by following these jurors. And that's what he did. Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men by Phil Rosenzweig, the first biography of Reginald Rose and the backstory of his magnum opus, Twelve Angry Men, Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men, available wherever books are sold through Fordham University Press as well as Amazon.com. And um, what's interesting is, and this is one of the things you'll discover in uh, Phil's book, is you, you mentioned that when Rose recounted certain aspects of 12 Angry Men or whatever, he would compress things in order to tell the story. To, to a degree, he also does that in his memoirs, at least the, uh, the excerpts of his memoirs that uh, you share in your book. Again, this, and I, I, just, I chalk this up to Rose, like all of us, was a walking contradiction. When it came to creating drama, he was very expansive about his exploration of social issues. But in his own writings, in his own account of his life, he, he, he does not touch on that much at all. Yeah, he was um, a private person. Uh, he was not somebody who attracted a lot of attention to himself. You mentioned at the beginning a few of his contemporaries, Rod Serling, Patty Chayefsky, they were big personalities and they uh, had public disputes with uh, censors and people they didn't like. Rose was much more self-effacing, but Rose wanted to bring serious issues to the American public. And so the first dramas he was writing in the 1950s were about prejudice, racial discrimination, juvenile delinquency, free speech, um, whereas 
many of his contemporaries were writing kind of small screen, up close and personal kitchen sink dramas, Rose wanted to find a way to address broader issues. And he did that in the 50s. And then at the beginning, you mentioned The Defenders, where for four years, he was the creator, story supervisor and lead writer of a drama that um, talked about everything from abortion, the blacklist, a lot about capital punishment, insanity. He found ways to bring very important issues to a broad audience. And by that time, The Defenders was, they were in a primetime slot for the first three years on Saturday night and won many, many Emmys. So this was a, a very persistent theme. While he didn't bring a lot of attention to himself, he used his platform to bring these issues to the broader attention of the public. Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men available wherever books are sold through Fordham University Press and Amazon.com. We'll talk some more with Phil when we come back, including how Henry Fonda became attached to the motion picture version of Twelve Angry Men, as well as how Reginald Rose had perhaps a keener understanding of how television worked than any of his contemporaries. All that and more when we continue our conversation with Phil Rosenzweig, author of Reginald Rose and the Journey of Twelve Angry Men here in TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 